everybody, and welcome back to the Everybody Trades Podcast. And whatever you do, don't panic, because no matter how bad the last few days have looked in the stock market, things generally aren't as bad as they look. And I do emphasize generally. And I believe that this time, things aren't as bad as the market action has told us that it is the last few days. And it's interesting. What really started this whole decline that we've seen in the last week or so? What what really triggered it? Because obviously we've seen good times for most of this year and still have for the most part. But that doesn't reduce the pain that I've felt in the last few days, and you either, if you're long the market, I'm guessing, and you follow it as closely as I do. But frankly, it's these type of moments that I understand why people do panic, and I understand why I start getting nervous too. It's it's natural human instinct because this is why the market is so confusing. It's because we've had seemingly a good string of economic news here, right? The unemployment rate is below 4%. So on the face, you think, wow, that's great news. And then there's this other story that I'm sure you've heard about. A story that the media has tried to poo-poo for the most part, but on its face should be a positive development. See, Amazon is choosing to raise the minimum wage for its employees to $15 an hour. The much-touted $15 an hour that Bernie Sanders and his cohorts have touted uh, forcing the Amazons and other companies to pay, and fast food companies even, any anybody. This fifteen hour, this fifteen dollar an hour number has obviously been a big sticking point for people who want to force a higher minimum wage. Well, so of course, if Amazon is voluntarily paying it, this should be seen as a great thing. And even Bernie Sanders himself came out and said, "Hey, give credit where credit is due." And yet, if you watch Bloomberg, CNBC, those type of things, read the Wall Street Journal you'll hear a bunch of people start saying that, oh my goodness, this could be a sign of wage inflation, which could trigger the Federal Reserve raising interest rates. Now, here's the thing. If you've listened to me for any period of time, and maybe you're new, if you are new, please go watch my foundation video series, and it'll make what I'm about to say a little more clear. But if you've followed me for a while, what you'll know about me is that I think Keynesian economic theory is nonsense. And a big part of Keynesian economic theory is the existence of a central bank. A central bank that essentially controls what the money supply is and interest rates, the amount of interest you're going to get from the bank on your deposits. Now, if money were simply a medium of of exchange, all quote, wage inflation would obviously be a good thing. But here's where here's the rub. There's something, there's a, a concept called real wages. So what does that mean? Simply put, this is a lot of sort of nerdy jargon that means this. If your wage goes to $15 an hour, that's great, except if the price of everything goes up even higher. For instance, if the cost of gasoline goes to, just to pick a un- unrealistic number to make a point, let's say $100 a gallon. Well, obviously, if you're paying $100 a gallon, it might cost more to get to work, 
So it offsets your wage, your wage increase to $15 an hour or whatever your, your, your raise might be. Now, again, if money were just money, it were a physical thing like, say, gold or something that had a real fixed supply, perhaps like Bitcoin, we would never have to worry about this. Worry. I, perhaps you're not worried about it, but central bankers and bureaucrats at the Federal Reserve and throughout Washington, D.C. certainly worry about it. And why is this? This is a confusing thing. Well, it's again, I'm going to go a little bit deeper here. We're going to talk about something called the Phillips Curve. Isn't that exciting, huh? <coughs> okay, okay, stick with me here. I know the Phillips Curve sounds like, again, more nerdy jargon that is basically exists to confuse you, to put it quite simply. But what the Phillips Curve says is, again, as a reminder, we've had a very low unemployment rate come out just recently of under 4%. Again, on its face, this should be a good thing. People working is a good thing, right? Well, the mainstream philosophy of economics, which is Keynesianism, named after John Maynard Keynes. Again, this is something that I believe is gobbledygook. But again, it doesn't totally matter what I believe because the masters of the universe believe in it. Sorry to get too far afield there, but again, back to the Phillips Curve. We have a low rate of unemployment, but the Phillips curve mentality says that basically there's a trade-off. If you get unemployment too low, then what you're going to have is inflation, price inflation. Now, what the Keynesians say by mean by inflation is prices, general prices, things like that you purchase, food, gasoline, clothing, etc., and also wages. If those prices are going higher and going higher too quickly in their minds, this is going to cause a lot of problems in the economy. It's going to cause, basically, it's going to cause real wages to fall behind your wage inflation. So really, you're going to be ending up actually making less even though your dollar figure is higher. Does that make any sense? It's why 100 years ago, one dollar went a lot farther in terms of buying a buying gold, for instance, than it used to. Now, if none of this makes any sense to you, let's step back just a little bit and get really basic. Why does money need to exist in the first place? Why do dollar bills and change and coins and any type of medium of exchange, why does that need to exist? Well, I kind of just gave the game up at at the end of my statement there. It's because it's a medium of exchange. You see, if I'm a butcher and you're in the dairy business, well, obviously, I can make, I can uh, create a bunch of meat, cut a bunch of meat, if you will, that I can sell to you in the form of steaks or ground meat or whatever you want, and then you can trade me milk. Great. That's called free trade. Wonderful. We all gain there. That's great. But here's the problem. What if I'm lactose intolerant? Or what if my dare is a vegetarian? Well, here's the deal. We can still exchange with each other. I can still, in essence, trade with my meat production. I can still trade with that person because we have money. I don't have to directly trade the means of my production, which is meat. See, I can have somebody else buy my meat. 
And then with their money, I can buy my milk. Does that make sense? And vice versa there. So the only reason we need money is to make trade easier, to facilitate trade. So in other words, if money were actually money, if money were a real thing, if money were always a gallon of milk instead of a piece of paper that a central bank decides out of thin air essentially what it's worth to some extent or what the supply of that particular piece of paper is by complete fiat, complete random, well, they'll say not random based on statistics, but really it's not based in any sort of economic supply and demand based reality. It's all based on central people deciding what they want to do. And we've seen the results of this. The dollar is, frankly, if you compare it to gold, which while gold has, the supply has increased somewhat over the last hundred years, not nearly as much as the value of the dollar, which you can trade in for gold, at least you used to be able to, it's gone down immensely. You see, when we first started, a dollar was very specifically worth, you know, a certain amount of gold, and it's now 10 times, 100 times that. Now, getting back to the Phillips curve, this idea that, well, we need to get in this Goldilocks perfect, not too, not too low of employment, but not too high of employment either, as to get inflation in just the right place. You see, the problem with that is, is we've seen many, many times, there have been several periods, most recently 2008, when we did have high inflation and high unemployment. You see, in reality, these theories don't hold water. There have been, once again, periods of high unemployment and high inflation. The textbooks be damned. You see, the market and prices and people, most importantly, with their decision-making powers, don't care what the, what the textbooks say. They're going to make decisions based on what they think is best for their own lives and their own pocketbooks. And no textbook is going to change that. And certainly 2008, that whole financial crisis period, as it's now called, has shown that more clearly than anything in my mind. Okay, that got really nerdy. And I hope it made sense to you somewhat. I'm just trying to hammer down on this idea that it seems to be like, I, I not, not that it seems to be, I know that all the time people are seeing what is on its face, good economic news that is then treated as a reason to panic by people in Washington. And I just wanted to get a slight, give you a slight idea of why that is. And with all that said, let's get to more specific things in the market for today in particular. Well, actually, last week I sold NVIDIA and got out of one of the highest flying stocks in the market for a good for a good gain too. And it turns out my sale at two ninety ended up being about the top of that particular stock for the short term. And actually, I believe that's about its fifty two week high. So hey, good for me. Pat on the back. Unfortunately, I also believe that I've gotten a little bit too overweight with the high flying tech stocks. And namely, I really regret not selling Netflix when it was at about, oh gosh, 385 I think, $3 over my current pro- cost basis. 
And now I'm down 16% on the stock because I thought, oh, well, you know, maybe it'll go up. See, that was called hope. I was hoping it would go up. Previously, I just thought, well, if we get back to a scratch, that's actually a good value. And then I started to hope. Well, hope is never a strategy, so don't be an idiot. At the very least, I should have sold a modicum of my position, at least a percentage, 25 35%, something. But in reality, I sold nothing, and I regret it quite greatly. Also, oh my goodness, Spotify. Oh my God, that's painful. Now, I'm still up 1.5%. Yay. So I've just ridden that baby all the way down. Oh, my goodness. So I had, you know, a 20, 25% gain in that thing, maybe even 30 at one point. I just never imagined that it would disappear that quickly. But again, you can never take anything for granted in this market. And that's why I should. I made the classic mistake of not taking any profits on a good, sharp, quick gain over a couple months. But... I will say long-term, Spotify, interest rates, I don't see how that really affects that company in the long-term. So if you're looking to get into a position, now would probably be a great time. Certainly would have been better than two weeks ago, right? Because again, while Spotify, the price is lower, that's actually a good thing if the fundamentals of that business haven't changed and you don't believe their earnings have been negatively impacted by the recent news of what low unemployment and possible inflation i'm not sure that that affects spotify i'm really not so that's one to keep in mind and also finally another company i've mentioned here quite a bit i'm I'm keeping my powder dry the last couple days overall i'm being very cautious and as always you can follow all my trades at everybodytrades.com but huntington ingalls to me down six percent and also down in tandem with the market the last few days, and down big with defense stocks in general today. To me, the news flow, as people like to say, has been nothing but positive in the last week for that stock. Now, the tape has been ugly. The stock tape has been ugly, just like the stock tape for every company has been ugly for the most part in that period. But the news flow, once again, we're hearing talk of tensions in the South China Seas and China reasserting its its dominance in that and what it believes is its centuries old claims on that territory and guess what washington dc i don't care who's in office i don't care who is in congress come next month i don't think anybody in washington with very very few exceptions is going to want to cede that area without a fight and so guess what huntington ingalls is the premier shipping shipbuilder warship builder in the world so they're the ones who are going to benefit from that from the increased presence of what i believe will be a real showdown if not shots fired certainly uh you know certainly ships pulling up and uh waving their proverbial johnsons at each other that sort of thing will definitely happen And with that, with a Johnson reference, with that beautiful image I just put in your head, I think I'll leave it at that. So thanks for joining me once again on this, another episode.